Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. We're super excited to have Ray Allen back on as a sponsor out in Colorado Springs. Be sure to use the discount code Working Dog Radio, spelled out, for your ten percent off of your next order. RayAllen.com. It's not just for working dogs, guys. It's for all dogs and no sex offenders. True story. You guys have all heard us talk about it. Our favorite e-collars, dogshow.com. They got ball trainers. They got bark collars. They got the 1900S that we love. Ted, how do they get a discount? Go to dogshow.com, just like it sounds. Use the discount code WDR10 for 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. I suggest the ball popper or the 1900S because I use a ton of both of those. But yeah, dogshow.com. Our good friend Cameron Ford, we've had him on the podcast. We've been on his podcast. He's over there in Vegas now, SilverStateK9.com. He's brought his scientific approach to detection work over there to Vegas, SilverStateK9.com. All kinds of uh, detection and supervisory schools and everything else like that. Ted, what do you think of that place? It's awesome. I mean, Cameron is one of the most well-versed guys when it comes to the scientific approach and the detection work when it comes to finding bombs or drugs. He's one of the only guys, I think, that ever ran a dog in three states as a law enforcement officer, if I remember correctly. But yeah, great facility, great people, great training. Uh, hit him up, SilverStateK9.com. If you guys have seen Ted and I posting pictures of these badass poker chips, we got we got them for Van S K9, Torchlight K9, HRD, Working Dog Radio. We get those from our friends at Combat Bet Challenge Coins. Ted, talk about where they can get them and a little discount. CombatBetBet.com. Use the discount code spelled out Working Dog Radio. And try before you buy with the sampler pack. Be sure to go to CombatBet.com forward slash WDR and then plug in the discount code. WDR, and they'll send you a free sample pack of the ceramic coins and of the metal ones, so you can choose which one you want. Handling HME is a dangerous proposition for any explosive handler, although it is a relevant, credible threat in today's environment. And because of that, we got to have a way to train on it other than just once a year doing the NORT standard. So how do you do it? Well, the easiest way is to get TrueScent. It is the safest way to handle and detect HME. It's actual odor suspended in silica. It's not a pseudo, it's an actual simulant. TrueScent canine or give them a call at 512-533-2040. When you get your, your kit, they actually have an expert call you and talk to you and work you through how to do their imprinting on it. True Scent, the letter K, the number 9.com. Enter discount code WDR15 for 15% off your training aids. We're super excited to have Horizon Structures on board as a sponsor of the podcast. They're a family-owned business, and they have quality customer service, and their pricing is super, super simple. In fact, if you head over to Horizon Structures, you can see the full gamut of their pre-made kennels, and they go from mild to, I would live in one of these things, wild. So, uh, Eric, (laughs) where can you find them? Horizonstructures.com. It's like a buffet for kennels and everything on that. Horizonstructures.com, or call them toll-free, 888 447-4337. All right, everybody, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Uh, Normally from Ohio, my name is Eric Stambrough, sitting down here in Ocala, Florida. Across the table from my co-host, Ted. Ted, how's it going? Awesome. We are in uh, Ocala, uh, Florida, down here. Uh, We're in an HRD event with the Marion County Sheriff's Office and uh, agencies from all over Florida. Uh, we got a dude from Missouri down here too, um, but uh, yeah, I just got done with our first day, so yeah, it's good times, man. There's yeah. some good teams here, and 
rained all day, but we had a good training building to train in. Yeah. So that was good. Um, <clears throat> we were talking about um, last night. You and I were having a conversation, and and, and <clears throat> this is one of the things, or the reason why we do these HRD seminars, and some of the things we do is I got a message from a guy uh, from an agency the, uh, a couple, yeah, about a week ago, and he was talking about me coming up and doing maybe doing some training for his unit and his training group, and they had about e-collars and tracking, and he had gotten a, did his NNDDA certification, right? and they said to him, the, the evaluator told him, you, sh- you should, the way he phrased it was, you should not be reward, direct rewarding every time for the thing. Oh. For the, and he's talking about doing variable rewards. I right. assumed, I go, yeah, variable rewards, valuable, blah, blah. He goes, yeah, that's exactly the word he said. So they had never heard of it. And I'm not cutting on the guy because a lot of people don't know what they don't know. But we still have a lot of handlers and a lot of handler teams out there that don't know, had never, didn't, didn't know how to go about doing the variable rewards, but didn't, had never heard of it. Never heard the term before, the word. So I'm like, yeah, we, it just goes to show that we're still way behind on a lot of things uh, as an as a industry altogether. And, well, and it kind of underscores the whole, the difference between a trainer and a handler thing, which I harp on a lot and Scott harps on a lot. You harp on a lot. <clears throat> and I say, you know, handlers have multiple hats. They're fucking cops first, canine handlers second, but then they've also got to be social workers. They still have to do normal fucking police work and run an asshole of things. So, you know, for the most part, you know, I, you wouldn't expect them to, I mean, understand or know that. I mean, for the most part, I wouldn't for, you know, most of the time, most handlers, if I get a good, like, tell me what your dog does for a change of behavior. And do you know the difference between a change of behavior and a final response? And if they have an answer to that, I'm like, fuck, you're ahead of the curve, bro. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, it just that just you know drove home that that I like what we're doing with the HRD stuff, and um, so we have this seminar, and then we're going to Boston and to Erie, New York, and it just keeps going, and we're hoping hoping we're going to get some come up with some new scenarios. We're pulling some stuff from out of the out of the playbook for next year, but uh, I, I'm super excited. But which brings us down here to to uh, Marion County, Florida. So. In this line of work, there are a handful, and, and literally a handful of people in this country that have, are like-minded and trained the same way. We, um, and, and it shows in the, in the work product, and it shows in what happens on the street. The video cameras, footage, and everything, you see it, and you're like, yeah. Body cam. Yep. Up, yeah. So um, <clears throat> our guest tonight is one of those guys who a lot of you don't know. Those some of the people in this business do know. Um, a lot of people down here in Florida, and we're going to talk about law enforcement in Florida, canine law enforcement in Florida, um, here in a little bit. But the, uh, do we say where you're working? Do they care? All right. From the uh, Marion County uh, Sheriff's Office here in Florida is our friend Jay Nix. Jay, how are you? Good, brother. How are you? Great, great. I'm so glad you were able to, to hang out with us a little bit. So I told somebody the other day, I said, the funny thing is we're going to go down there to Jay's group. And now, and it turns out there's only really a couple of your guys here. Um, I said, I think when we go to a group where they are rocking and rolling and kicking ass and doing a lot of great training, that's a great opportunity for the trainer to just not have to do it for a few days. (laughs) And just his guys get some training and he maybe get, you got your dog out a little bit today. 
get to do some things. And so we, we are super happy to have, to be down here. Uh, I, we talked to those, uh, Scott and, uh, Ronnie and we said, we told him, we said, guys in Florida, man, are still, still putting in work. And I like to see it cause no offense, this state's pretty fucked up. <laughs> yeah, not goofy crap. There's a game that you play on the, Yeah, there's a game you play. Like you Google a random date, and you just like something date in Florida, and it's always something fucked up. Like has to do with alligators, or do, I, I mean, it, a lot, a lot of weird it's, stuff. It's a, it's a fucking. It's a, well, shit. You guys were chasing Britney Spears yesterday, not Britney Spears. <laughs> you were chasing a chick that had her head shaved yesterday. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, why don't you get in a little bit of your background on what led us up to today? Yeah, so um, I've lived here in Ocala, in Marion County, Florida, all my life. Um, you know, I've been in law enforcement since uh, 2000 started. Uh, I was very fortunate as a, at a very young age in the agency to um, live. I actually lived right across the street from uh, one of our senior handlers, and uh, that was a big influence on my life growing up. And uh, so when I graduated high school, you know, did the college thing, and then I knew you know I wanted to go in law enforcement, um, but. Early on, before I even had that opportunity to go to the academy and get rolling, I had a you know that canine influence in my life, and he lived right across the street from me. His name is David Pistorelli, phenomenal handler, phenomenal man, uh, killer cop, retired from our agency just this past year as a major. Um, he just really good dude. Uh, I was always intrigued by watching him, you know, working his dog. He brought it home from work every day, and you seeing him out in the front yard with it, and me interacting with it, and then knowing that this dog could be out there in the front yard and. You know, letting me pet it at one moment and out there catching bad guys was always, you know, a big thing mm-hmm. for me. So when I when I got on the agency, um, I quickly made some friends with the guys that were in the canine unit and I made myself available to them, was, which was the biggest thing. I just made myself, um, you know, kind of their their grunt. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was out there, you know, they were tracking me down, taking bites. You know, of course, you know, I didn't know what I was doing back then, but they, you know, had no problem using and abusing me. Um, and so I had a very, uh, the very good fortune of very early in my career, literally right at the two year mark, um, I was able to try out for canine and got selected and that was in 2002 and I've been doing it ever since. So when did you get hired? In 2000. 2000. Yeah. You're a young pup. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so w- I find we'll get into like policing in, in Florida, but I'm always fascinated by it. So in, I'm in Ohio. In Ohio, the sheriff's offices, for the most part, are not this big juggernaut like they are down here in Florida. Right. When did when did all that start? So for, in Florida, it's very different than a lot of states, especially up in the Ohio region, Kentucky, West Virginia, Tennessee, a lot of those areas up there. A lot of those, the sheriff's offices up there are really just used to work the courthouse and the jail. Mm-hmm. And they're going out and civil, working civil process and things like that. Um, you have some, you know, you have some sheriff's office that, you know, patrol areas and mm-hmm. things like that. And now as modern law enforcement continues to progress, you see more and more of it. But, you know, not that long ago, you didn't see our land. Either the state police handled thing and then the city agencies handled it. Where in Florida, it's been very different for as long as I can remember. Um, Florida has 67 counties and every county has a sheriff's office. And then within that, every county, there's, you know, city agencies as well. Some are big, some are small. Um, for us, uh, we, I think we're the sixth largest, you know, landmass, um, agency in the state of Florida, as far as the, the, you know, square mileage of Marion County. So we're a big agency in the sense that we've got, you know, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of people live here, a lot of area. Um, but we're also not so big that we lose touch, you know, with who you are in the agency. You don't get lost as a number, but law enforcement in, in 
you know, Florida, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a cop car, you know, yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And obviously yeah, there is a lot of yeah. cops down here. <laughs> a lot. And, and then that just stems over into the canine world. So, you know, there's so many canine units in different agencies, you know, throughout the state where you don't see that in a lot of the, mm. you know, more you know, and that, states up north. And that kind of brings up something I wanted to talk about. So we talk a lot about certifications on the podcast. And today I gave the speech during the deal, uh, during our HRD thing about, um, the difference between certification standards and deployment standards and everything else. Marion County Sheriff's Office is extremely successful with their canine unit. Um, and a lot of that is the way that you guys train. <clears throat> but Florida is one of those states. Um, there's only 10, 11, 10 states that have a certification requirement. The state of Florida, through FDLE, has a pretty stringent requirement for patrol dogs. I directly attribute the success to or professionalism or uh, there are a majority of canine handlers in the state of Florida to that process. So there's a lot of states that don't have a standard like, uh, you know, right next to Eric, you know, you guys have a state that West Virginia doesn't have anything. Yeah. Right. So, um, because of that, um, there can be a little bit of a gap in skills and a little bit of gap of deployable, um, success. So talk a little bit about the process of getting a dog from the kennel to the street. So yeah, Florida Department of Law Enforcement obviously governs all the canine units in the state of Florida along a side of the Criminal Justice Standards and Training Commission. Right. They kind of work hand in hand in laying that outline of what they expect as that minimum standard for uh, canine handlers and teams and dogs. Um, specifically if you're going to use them in the patrol aspect. We right. do not have it for um, detection. If you're going to have a dog, basically if a dog doesn't bite, so if you use a dog just for tracking or just detection, you know, like Game and Fish has a lot of dogs that have you know, wildlife detection and you know right. tracking mm -hmm. and uh, things like that. So there is no um, uh, state standard for that. However, there is state case law that says that you have to get those certifications right. you know, through outside entities. But as far as FDLE, no. So with, with FDLE, it's strictly about patrol dogs. So for us, the minimum standard is a 480-hour course for a new dog, new handler. And so after selection, you know, and selection of both handler and dog, the, the canine school starts and it goes, you know, from the basic classroom days of teaching case law and teaching, you know, procedure and policy. Um, and then it just rolls through. And then that covers basically, um, you know, obviously obedience, then man work as far as um, apprehensions, both. Uh, the control side of it. So there's the, the bite work and the engagement itself, the control, the handler being able to, you know, verbally out the dog, recall the dog, and then they have to do that also under gunfire. We are one of the states that still do agitate, I mean, uh, aggression to gunfire. In Ohio too. Yeah. So yeah. you, you know, you, part of the thing is the certification is you pop off around, you know, the dog's halfway there, you rack a round off and then the dog engages and you still have to verbally out the dog mm. off of that gunfire, which you know, that sometimes that can be, you know, pretty racking, but ultimately that leads, you know, from their area searches, building searches, and then they have tracking as an option to add to your patrol, you know, certification. Um, but that's, you know, kind of the basic nuts and bolts of it, but it's a minimum 480 hours. And that doesn't include any type of detection that suggests that to get them certified on the street for patrol. Cause Ohio has both detection and patrol. Mm -hmm. And then Oklahoma has detection only. And it's not a minimum hours. It's just you have to use our state certification. But so, yeah. 
It's interesting. We got three people sitting here from three of the 10 states. <laughs> right, right. So in your state, in Ohio, you have a patrol and detection certification that is state standard? Yeah, yeah. And they're separate. Um, so you can do patrol, which is obedience and bite work. Mm -hmm. Building search, area search, field bites, recall out, gunfire. Mm -hmm. Same thing. The only difference is you don't have to verbally out after the gunfire. Right. Um, and then... Special purpose is what they call it, is detection, either explosives or, or narcotics, tracking, and uh, articles. So you can do any part of it. You could, do, you could have a bite dog and a, a detection dog, but don't have to do tracking if, you, if they don't want. Yeah. So, yeah, we still we do have it. Um, I, I've lobbied to them several times to get rid of the aggression of gunfire. I think they should do more of a um, false start. With right. gunfire? So we like do, that? and that's part of ours is neutrality to gunfire. So not in addition to the engaging gunfire, there has to be handler gunfire done. So in other words, uh, we do, during the bite work session, there is one part where the, the, decoy, the dog is sent, decoy fires off rounds, dog engages, stays on, verbal out, recall to the, the handler. And then there is a, a gunfire neutral, neutrality. So the handler has to stand there, put the dog in a down, and he has to fire rounds. Hmm. Um, it has to be a minimum of 38 blank. Um, so it's not this little 22 star yeah. gun stuff. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's a lot, right? Shooting from a revolver too. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. fucking cannon. Boom. And then, uh, the dog <laughs> has to stay neutral to the gunfire, neutral to the handler, obviously stay, the control has to stay there. No aggression to the handler, that kind of thing. But that's also part of the, uh, the gun. If you had your way, would you want a, uh, detection certification? Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't have an issue with it. Obviously, we require our guys to get you know certifications, and they get usually a couple a year. We typically try to do at least FLECA, which mm -hmm. is the Florida Law Enforcement Canine Association, as well as some national. So, like my crew, we're all going to uh, up to Alachua County Sheriff's Office next week. Uh, yeah, next week, and we're knocking out our detection certification. And then we typically try to get the guys throughout the year either. Uh, to NNDDA, NAPWADA, mm -hmm. something along that lines, and uh, you know to knock out at least a national certification. So the guys get their FDLE every year, uh, and then they, in addition to that, we typically have at least at minimum the detection certification through FLECA and an outside you know, like a national one. But usually when they do the national one, they go ahead and do the patrol side of that as well. Oh, okay. so they'll do both. So typically they get two certifications every year, both in patrol and uh, you know detection cool. so even though your guys are out here killing it like lots of bites lots of apprehensions everything you still get nervous for the uh, certification of course that's that's <laughs> always the thing we just had our, our state cert not too long ago and you know our guys you know they're we have a, a phenomenal group of guys and they are some hard hard working dudes they put in the work uh they are very prideful in their position they're prideful in their dogs and it shows like i said we don't we don't have to tell anybody because it shows in our work um, but it never fails, you know, training mm -hmm. days, you know, I mean, not, not training days, but certification days that you get there and the jitters start and, mm -hmm. and, uh, but the guys that, you know, they get in there and we try to remind them ahead of time that, you know, just take a deep breath. And yeah. you know, as long as you don't goof <laughs> up, you know, you don't get mentally, you know, in your head, yeah. the dog's going to be fine. That's and one they of the do. few they times I'll, it every that's time. one of the few times I'll, I'll not mention that dogs lick their own ass and eat cat shit and they're terrible <laughs> decision makers <laughs> and it's still an animal and he may decide to do whatever. Yeah. Like, it, you know, when the handler's will be fine. You'll yeah. be fine. I'm like, dude, you've done this a hundred times. It's yeah. No big they don't need to add stress. Yeah. No. But then Our after guys, the fact, I'm yeah, like, you got lucky, dude. Yeah. So all you guys listen, you didn't invent that shit. Yeah. Everybody around. Everybody. Here's something funny. I had a big class I was doing one time, and um, I had a couple guys, one specifically, but maybe two, that were so 
worried and nervous about the certification. And I don't even know if it's, <clears throat> excuse me, as much about them not thinking they could do it with their dog. They're so, the atmosphere at their department is, we're watching you and you better right. do, and like, and whatever. So what I did was we had the state certification set up for those guys to take on a Friday. But what, what was really happening was the test was Thursday. So I brought a buddy of mine out who's an evaluator and I said, this is a, a run through. We're going to put you through a run through. A few of the guys figured it out. Yeah. About uh, three quarters of the way through, they're like, this is the fucking test. I go, well, don't tell him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This guy's a mess. I like it. And uh, it worked. And they, they did great. We got done. I'm like, okay, you're done tomorrow. Well, that's Come the in. Thing. We're going to have fun. It's fun shit Friday yes. tomorrow. We're just going to do whatever. <laughs> I just finished up a canine school in February and I had six guys graduate out of that class. And, you know, the, the, you spend the whole entire canine school just building street dogs, like mm -hmm. getting them ready for the street. We don't we don't spend our canine school, you know, getting ready for certification. But then that you know that week and a half to two week out mark from it's time for them to graduate and get their certs in. You know, we start you know dumbing things down a little bit and getting ready to you know get a little more you know cleaning things up and getting ready for certification versus a street and the guys start getting nervous. And but by this time, by the time of certification, they've run through a mock certification you know, 50 mm -hmm. times right. and, but it never fails. You know, these guys, they just absolutely, you know, a couple of them just really struggled mentally. Um, and, but the dogs did fine. You know, yeah. they were How long is your them. school? It's 480 hours. Just, and so, oh, just, yeah. Right. yeah. So by the time we add in yeah. another two weeks of detection, you know, it puts it out in that 12, 13 week mark. So are you getting the dogs green and pre-training them? Or are you buying Always a pre-trained? We never buy yeah, that's a, dogs. That's Weird. a big thing here. So yeah. if you're as a senior handler, and get another dog. So say your dog retires, do you have to go through the 480 hours again or you're good to no. go? No. Okay. So once you're a certified handler in the state of Florida, you're a certified handler. Now there is, when you get a new dog, your dog retires and you're ready to move on to another dog, you do have to do a minimum of 80 hours before you can take that dog to a certification. So FDLE wants to see 80 hours of proficiency training prior to. So that's an opportunity. So if we've got a, a handler that, you know, the dog, let's say the dog, you know, died, he's killed, whatever, we can, uh, you know, get a dog that's at that point, we can go to a vendor and say, hey, look, instead of giving me, you know, bone green, you can give me a- Further along. Yeah, and yeah. So now these guys can spend a couple weeks cleaning them up. But that a lot of time, that has to do with time. One of the things that you kind of touched on it was agency support. You know, so you talk about sometimes that, that pressure comes mm -hmm. from within the agency. And for us, we have had a very well-established canine unit since the mid-70s. And that's one thing that no matter what regime change, no matter what, you know, election years bring, what we have always had a very supported canine unit. Our current sheriff um, loves the canine unit. He takes very well, you know, makes very oh, good you guys, care of You yeah. guys are are yeah. well supported yeah you know i tell even in my hometown uh, of tulsa like their their canine unit is super old yeah. well supported well run well funded fucking ryan it, their sergeant is a ninja and is a long time handler and like that's his jam and you know they are extremely well run and well supported and it's what Eric goes back to all the time. You know, we have guys that are like, oh, I want to get into canine. And he's like, go to a big department. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. And, or, yeah. you know, people try and buy their way into canine. Like, well, what if I get a dog done? And it was like, dude, if you, it happens if you, all the time. If, you're oh, fucking, yeah. if your department is not behind it, because the dog is not, the dog is like the smallest portion of it. There's the training time, the fucking shit with the car vet. I mean, there's any number of additional pieces. And if your admin is not behind it, like they have to want it. Yeah, and they have sure. to want 
the dogs to be there because and i feel bad for some dudes and they're like i really want to start a canine unit i'm like uh, go talk to somebody and it's uh, funny I mean, but back you know the, the support thing you know our our agency supports us so much and it makes such a huge difference and, and not only in the training aspect but in the deployment aspect and you know the support we have a huge support from our community there's a lot of, you know, every dog we have is donated you know through nice. through funds and yeah um but you know but i'm also uh on the board for Canines United, and I talk to a lot of agencies that call and, you know, they'll call and ask to Miss Debbie, you know, who's the founder of Canines United, Debbie Johnson. She, she coming tomorrow? Yes, she will better. be here tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. She's in Texas. Not that this so, is live, but damn it, yeah. Debbie, you better. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's definitely coming tomorrow. But, um, you know, she she will forward me a lot of these requests from these agencies, and, you know, she you know, the answers that she doesn't know, so she leans on me for that, and I'll call these guys. I'm like, all right, what is it that you're looking for? And you know, um, they're, they're, they don't have anything they're looking to create. And there's right. so many agencies Ooh. that are crazy apprehensive about, you know, adding the liability of a canine unit when they've never had one established. To well, begin and that it's kind of brings up an interesting point we we're talking about before we started recording. Like, you know, I think that there is, there's a pervasive myth in this industry that, you know, that there needs to be a national standard, which we can't even get a national speed limit or language, much less a fucking canine standard. <laughs> so, then there's the other portion too that policing is very different so you know we're down here in in florida i live in oklahoma eric lives in ohio and then we've got the left coast also and you guys have a lot of people down here in terms of population and you bite people you find drugs and you bite people down here Mm -hmm. and you're very successful at it the, the marion county sheriff's office you guys are super professional very effective um and so if you have somebody listening to this that's starting a canine unit, or if there is a an admin that's listening, uh, or that gets forwarded this from somebody, you know, what advice do you have for them? Because I have my own, but I'm going to leave that out of that for the the liability aspect or the um, the support aspect. Listen, law enforcement inherently is liability. It's we're covered in liability. Like it's it's a never ending game. We're we're constantly chasing, trying to protect the agency you know, with liability. However, the good far outweighs the bad when it comes to the, the benefit of a canine unit. I think, I think every one of us would agree in that, Eric, you know, you were in this for a long game for a long time as well, but there's a lot of agencies that, um, that benefit greatly every day from canine units and not just about biting bad guys. You know I mean? It's, you know, uh, you know, taking, like you said, taking drugs off the street and bomb sweeps for all these, you know, events that happen in florida i mean like we're the event capital of the united states and you know bomb sweeps and and then you look at the the elderly community and that brings in the alzheimer's patients and we do a lot of searching you know for the elderly and the kids missing and things like that so i i think it really boils down to if you're going to consider it the key will just be doing it the right way you know, if you go in and half do it, then of course you're going to, your liability risk is going to go up. But if you do it, if you reach out and get the right help and get the right dog selection and you, you know, have a good policy and procedure set in place, you limit the liability so much just by doing it right. Yeah. And if you're doing it right, you're, the, the, the good is going to always far outweigh the bad. Yeah. I've, I've mentioned it several times on podcasts that I, that the canine liability is fake news. Absolutely. You know? It's I a totally false narrative. And, yeah. and people say it, a lot of admins will say it. I don't want cause of liability. I'm like, give me some case law. Give me some lawsuits, massive money, lost lawsuits. They never have an answer. Somebody just told them that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I tell guys all the time, I'm like, there's a difference or admins anyway. 
there's a difference between being liability aware and liability adverse. Sure. Being liability adverse puts you in a uh, unique position to be taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting uh, hurt, getting guys hurt. That's right. key right there. Exactly. And, right. That's you know, what I was fixing to say. And I'm like, you won't give them a dog, but you'll give them a gun mm-hmm. and a car. Yeah. So and you're going to ask them to do things that we could use this dog to prevent injury, prevent life, you know, you know, being right. taken uh, when we have this tool available. I'm, you know, we don't nothing. We don't guys that are attached to these dogs. We don't want anything to happen to our dogs, but I can no. replace a dog. I can't replace a human. Right. And, you know, I mean, there I mean, I, we've said this before in the podcast and every time we do HRD and, you know, everybody has stories about how dogs deescalate shit all the that time. could or should be. A situation where lethal force probably would have been justified, or it was headed that way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So then, that's that what I tell admins. I was like, "Man, you think people get pissed when you bite them? Wait till you fucking shoot them." Mm-hmm. I was like, "Garen, fucking teed you. If you shoot someone, the state and possibly the feds are going to ask, and that's just routine." Yeah, I never went somebody. to grand jury for ever biting anybody, but I shot a few people. Yep. <laughs> and I was in grand jury That's a every, every yeah. time. You blocked it off on the calendar. You're yeah, like, yeah. I know those motherfuckers are going to want to talk to me. <laughs> for sure. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a break here real quick and um, knock out some bill paying. Yep. So probably my favorite product, one that actually really delivers what they say has been quick turned by vet care. We use it on... Uh, all kinds of dogs in our kennels. It's, it's fast-acting wound care for all species of animals. You can use it on yourself. We, Dad and I both have done it. We yep. cut. We got a lot of people doing it. We get a lot of testimonials on our social media from people showing pictures of what they've done with their dog. It's Quick Derm by Vet Care. Ted, talk about discount codes and where to find it. Yeah, if you go to vetcare.us and use the discount code 10WDR, you get 10% off your first order. And there's rumors that she upgrades the sizes, too, if you use that. So that may happen. It may not. You never know. But, yeah, it, it keeps small things from becoming big things. Uh, so get some and toss it in your bag. It's t- temperature stable, so you don't have to worry about it cooking or freezing up in the patrol car. But, yeah, vetcare. US. We love our partners down in Florida at Southern Coast Canine. We love Bill and Peggy Heiser. And of course, Danny Cornier, who's their right-hand man, is one of our favorite people as well. They do a fantastic job of selecting green dogs and training them up and getting patrols, handlers through patrol schools. And they also have a list of decoy schools and a full gamut of detection seminars as well. Eric, where can you find them? SouthernCoastCanine.com. That's a letter K, the number nine.com. Give them a call at 877-903-DOGS. I can tell you this, every seminar that we've been at where there's been Southern Coast Canine Dogs, they've all been solid. Every single one of them, never have to worry about it. We get right to work. SouthernCoastCanine.com. I've been dying to get this company on as as a sponsor for the podcast, Horizon Structures. You go to their website and check it out. They have got some of the neatest things you can build for a kennel. Why do all the work yourself? Have somebody else do it. They will set it up at your location delivered anywhere in the continental U.S. Uh, Ted, talk about their website real quick. Yeah, it's horizonstructures.com. And if you go over and check it out, you can see the list of choices, which is almost mind-boggling for everything from the outside to the inside. And you can go from completely mild and unfinished on the inside to completely decked out like a surgical suite with stainless steel, everything, and heated floors and Anything you can think of in between. And the big thing that you mentioned is they deliver anywhere in the United States and they set it up. So when it's set up, when they drop it off, you can put dogs in it immediately that day. And uh, yeah, saves a ton of time. But hit them up. Horizonstructures.com. 
447-4337. They have an on-staff engineer that walks you through the entire process from start to finish, which is excellent customer service, which makes it much, much easier to get back to what you do well, which is training dogs. Yep, we just finished up the uh, HITS uh, interviews and got them posted up from Chicago. Uh, next year, we're going to be doing the same thing, except Eric and I are also going to be instructing and bringing our unique brand of scenario-based training to the masses there, and it will be the masses in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's going to be the 18th through the 21st of 2020. Uh, hits K9, letter K number nine dot net is where you're going to go find all the information to get signed up. So Eric, what did you think? What do you think is going to happen? Oh, I, I loved it. You know, Hits is the biggest and the best. They have the most handlers that come there. So like if you're a company that's wanting to be a vendor, you will not reach any more people in this business than it hits. 1,200 people. A lot of people like me have never really been to Scottsdale and Phoenix. I I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be in August, but they got air conditioning like crazy. Yeah, 1,200 handlers and 100-ish vendors. Yeah, they make it. They don't oversell the vendor thing too. It's the ratio is very appropriate. So, if you're a vendor and you're looking, get on at hitsk9.net or call Jeff Baird at eight six three five two nine five one one three. Hits the letter K, the number nine dot net. Yeah, it's no secret that Eric and I use a lot of equipment around the kennels at Van Ness and at Torchlight. Uh, so for e-collars and ball popping stuff, I use Dogtra. I use the 1900S hands-free and their ball trainer, which is a popper and a dropper. I think I've got like six of those things now, and they're all on one remote. So I hide them in our cars and on our buses, and I hide them in places inside the detection building. So we have like six stations that we run the dogs on. Super, super clean way of doing it, and uh, I modify mine with magnets so I can stick them anywhere. Uh, my handlers like the 1900S because they're they're putting the button on their plate carrier so they don't have to mess with a uh, handheld remote and manipulate that at the same time. But uh, Eric, where do you get this stuff? Go to dogtrut.com. Don't forget to use your discount code as WDR10. That is all caps, WDR10. 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. Take a look at that new 3500X. It's their new uh, two-dog system for trainers. I'm telling you, it's the best two-dog system I've ever seen out there. Dogtra.com, WDR10 for 10% off a single item over 200 Some of our favorite people are, are out there in North Carolina, Highland Canine Training. Full gamut services, everything from green dogs, finished detection dogs, finished patrol dogs, all the way up to seminars, whatever you need there, full service facility. You can hit them up at tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. Yep, we love those folks down there. Their website, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com, is so easy to navigate around and see everything that they have. They have uh, teams from all over the world that come there to train there, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. Challenge coins seem to be like currency in the canine industry. Everybody has them and everybody trades them and everybody collects them. So the guys over at Combat Bet make some really, really nice metal ones and they make some really, really nice poker chip ones. Um, if you've ever seen Eric and I in person, you've gotten some of these and I've got some for Torchlight. He has some for Van S. We have them for Working Dog Radio and HRD also. Uh, they do a great job and they're super high quality and the print on them is phenomenal. In fact, if you want, you can contact them. They'll send you sample packs so you can see exactly what it is, and they'll help you with all the artwork, too. Eric, where do you get them? We get them at combatbet.com. That's combatbet.com. They have a discount code for us. It's Working Dog Radio, all spelled out in capitals, Working Dog Radio. And if we see you in person, you better have one in your pocket because I'm going to drop one on you, and you're going to owe me a beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We love our partnership with RayAllen.com. They've been doing business, ethical business, RayAllen.com. They've got everything you need to know for uh, 
all dogs, not just not just working dogs. You guys that are training pets and training police dogs or, or have pets, check them out, rayallen.com. Ted, there's a way for them to get a discount, correct? Yep. You go over there and you use the discount code WORKINGDOGRADIO for 10% off of your next order. They've got the Tricos gear. They've got vet care stuff. They've got some of the working dog dry goods muzzles and their own muzzles. They have that new rad harness that they just came out with, the Nomad, that everybody seems to be loving. Um, some of my guys are using it right now, one of the prototypes, and he's already had some uh, some good work in it. So RayAllen.com. Use the discount code WORKINGDOGRADIO for 10% off your next order. All right, we are back, uh, Working Dog Radio, down in Ocala, Florida, at a pretty nice Airbnb. I don't know how Ray does this. He always finds us a swanky place. This is a <laughs> pool. Hot tub doesn't work. Um, it's not hot. But um, it's a nice place. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Ray's a bougie guy. Yeah, yeah he Ray, is. Ray, yeah, Ray is definitely Ray, a bougie Ray, guy. He's, he's got us some pretty swanky joints. <laughs> yeah. These guys were in charge of Airbnb once in Baltimore and put us in, like, the murder castle. Yeah. Of <laughs> The guys are in Baltimore like, what? Get out now. Run. Go. I'm out there. They canceled the reservation three days before it. And then they stuck us in the fucking hood. I'm at three in the morning out there with a puppy. I didn't even know. I come back the next day and the guys are like, you're lucky to get sniped. Murdered. (laughs) PG County. I was like, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Well, when Ray called me and said, you know, hey, he's like, hey, we got an Airbnb. I'm like, bro, text me the address. Like, send me the address right now because you still have time to change it yeah. if we need be. Yeah, he, he's a he's yeah, but this is a nice area. Yeah. It's a nice place. It's a good one. But anyways, we're talking about uh, a lot of a lot of things, training and, and working down here in Florida. Um, so I I don't. There's probably not that much difference. But what's the crime suppression law enforcement work different than when you got hired? It is now. I I don't know that I would say. I mean, it's definitely different because just it's not agency specific it's law enforcement in general has progressed and it's um you know the the just the way we do things in general has changed but i i think we've always done a good job keeping up with the times i think this agency specifically has done an excellent job with staying you know current uh we have a, a phenomenal staff that you know is constantly seeking out that to make sure there's any ways that we can better but i, I think as a whole in the state of florida because we are the melting pot of the united states mm-hmm. we have no choice but to be progressive and we have to stay on that so i think we do a, a good job of riding that staying in that zone where uh, we don't lose our footing uh, like maybe some agencies that you know you guys have discussed on this podcast in the past with certain trainers but the we don't we don't lose that uh, ability to go out there and take care of business we just do it in a, you know in a in a way that keeps up with the professional standards of modern day law enforcement so not not to discount guys that came before you but what have you done for your group as a trainer to make it better I think for us, we, like I said, we've had always had an excellent uh, canine unit. We've always had a very well-established guys. We have guys, that, you know, the trainers in the past were always, you know, very well-respected guys uh, at our agency and within the community. Um, I think one of the things that uh, has changed for us when I took over in, in, in the training aspect um, was just bringing us into a more, more modern era, you know. Um, not that what we were doing before wasn't, you know, wasn't right, but we, we were sticking with a lot of the routine stuff. Mm. And I think for us, we, we really stepped up our game in the area of number one, scenario based training, um, starting to bring more of the real world 
style training into our, 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 our everyday training versus that training that geared around certification standards where we all were stuck in for a really long time. Um, and not that that stuff is bad because we have to keep up, you know, and, and you know, if you're ever, a, in my opinion, if you're a handler that's if refuses to go back to the basics at times, you're missing it. Um, because I think the basics obviously always, you know, have a, uh, a very profound, uh, a place. For yeah, sure. absolutely. absolutely. On, on your, on yourself as a handler and it's a good way to keep yourself in check. And so we do that. We, we typically try to train. Well, one of the things that we started, you know, doing a few years ago is we train in seasons. You know, we, we really try to push the envelope, you know, in the summertime we get out there and, you know, we could do stuff in the crazy water. You guys have seen some of our water training, oh, yeah. our videos and get a water ski, get a bite on a water ski. <laughs> just me. It sounds like we should set something like that up. It's still warm here, so we can do that. Maybe three years. It did, but I still did. <laughs> but, you know, so we try to, we try to train in seasons. We, we, we have our seasons where we get hardcore and we really get after the, the out of the box um, you know, the HRD stuff, we really try to get after that stuff. So our goal is to, you know, to find the surprises in training and never to find them out in the real world. And then we have our time where we scale it back and we hit the basics and we do the fundamentals and we, we randomly, uh, you know, check the guys, the supervisor that we have right now, he's real good at saying, okay, you know what today, surprise, we're going to do FDLE basics. I want to see where you guys are at. Mm. And it's great because it keeps the guys on their toes. So we come to training days and we have these hardcore training days where everything's, you know, ratchet as heck. And we're, you know, just grinding. And then the very next training days, the guys will be like, all right, let me see your recalls. You know, let me see yeah. your gunfire. Let me see your outing. Let me see the verbal stuff. Um, you know, and uh, so I think we do a really good job at where we have, where we have excelled over the last few years is we've had a rotation of handlers, young guys coming on, young dogs that just are, are just hungry and in this day and age with social media podcasts all these things they see what's out there and if we don't as trainers take the opportunity to capitalize on that uh you know training and that that mindset that's out there that we can evolve um we're gonna we're gonna miss the boat and we see it all the time in swat you know we evolve but there's so many agencies that don't evolve in their canine program yeah. and it's it, it's you know it, it's sad so the funny thing is what Ted and I talk about is uh, a lot of our conversations on here in person, you know, back and forth or with people is is geared towards the guys who's got a lot of dog failures or the guys that um, don't get the training that they should. Right. Or maybe because of the way their agency is or their community, there's not a lot of bite opportunities. Yeah. But there's a ton of value. And this is where a huge mistake is made on guys that have those 40, 50, 60 street dog, mm-hmm. street bite dogs that don't think they need to keep up with it. Right, yeah. absolutely. I got enough OJT. Yeah, absolutely. I got enough I OJT. OJT can create some bad habits. Yes, you know sir. What I mean? so that and it can really, expose some bad things yeah. if, you know, if yeah. properly put out there. Like walking up a dog's ass while you're tracking. Stop fucking doing that. <laughs> yeah, don't put your thumb in his bubble. Like, Bunch yeah. of nut jobs. So, um... How many guys, how many dogs you guys got? We have current we currently have nine patrol dogs uh, working the streets right yeah, now. You have bomb dogs? We have two. Two of our patrol dogs. All of our patrol dogs are obviously dual. Mm-hmm. We have uh, two of them that are uh, bomb and patrol, and the other the rest of them there are are narcotics and. So one thing you guys do, and you kind of hit on it a little bit. I've met I think all of your handlers. Yeah. Um, you know, and I will say that those dudes are 
very switched on, very motivated, and they want to be there. And for the life of me, if you're an admin and you're listening to this and you have somebody that literally wants to do a fucking job and you don't let them do it, I don't, why you would quash motivation is beyond me. But, you know, your guys are very, um, your unit's well supported, your unit's very well respected. Um, you have handlers that are very, very good. Um, the dog process is, uh, the selection process is good. Um, one thing that we haven't really touched on here, I've touched on it a little bit, and I think maybe on Patreon, uh, but handler selection. Mm -hmm. So it's a competitive position here because yeah. um, you guys get to do some fucking work. Um, but talk a little bit about um, what, because I've had admins ask this, and when we just we knew we were going to interview, I was like, oh fuck, I'm going to ask him this. Because um, I give the speech to admins about how to select handlers, but how do you guys go about selecting um, handlers? Because it's a huge portion of the success of a team. Absolutely. So, so what we do, uh, it starts with uh, the policy is clear. You have to have a minimum two years on patrol. We want them guys to have a little bit of... We call it the J-Nix rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the J-Nix rule. That's right. Uh, we got it. Actually, I, I for a long time, I kind of held that as the guy that got on two years. And actually, we got a handler on now that literally the day that he tried out, he was like two years and two days. So he's nice. another one. Um, squared away guy, very squared away dog. But um, so our, our policy starts with uh, minimum two years experience. That's on the street, on patrol. Um, and then, uh, and that's not as an employee, that's street, street experience out there on patrol. And then our first step in our policy is obviously submitting your, you know, resume to want to do it. And that's where we start. And the reason I say that's where we start is because we start doing our homework on the guys. You know, we're not looking for the guy that is, you know, out there as the top performer because the top performer a lot of times is the guy that's screwing over the guy that he's working with. Mm -hmm. And so you, it really kills away from that, some of that teamwork so we reach out we talk to their zone partners we talk to their supervisors we talk to the guys that they're hey this, this guy put in for it and we kind of you know we get our kind of an informal yeah we yeah we, we just reach out and say hey tell us about this guy now it doesn't exclude them one way or that they still get to try the process but it gives us an idea if we don't we don't know for sure about this guy maybe he's a young guy or whatever and then we talk to the handlers and we, we, we let you know the, the supervisors say, hey guys this is who's trying out you know and uh, they get to put their input on there and who these people are uh, first step of the actual tryout is uh, a physical fitness test. And uh, for us, it's a two and a half mile run. Um, and you have to do it in, I think it's like 22 minutes. Um, uh, with the second that the run is over, the, the, the second your foot crosses the line, you have a two minute timer that starts. And that two minute timer, uh, you have to do uh, push ups. It's a minimum of 40, but we make it competitive as many as you can do. Mm -hmm. So it's as many as you can knock out with a you minimum. Shit to them when they're oh, oh <laughs> no, we have team building exercises. Right. It's not, it's not, yeah, we don't, we don't talk. We, it's, it's, it's team building. It's motivational, motivational speaking. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, they, they knock out those, that, that set of push ups. They get two minutes to do it. The second that two minute timer is up, the next two minute timer starts, they roll over and they got to do sit ups, same exact fashion, minimum 40, many as you can do. So it's a motivational thing. Listen, the guy next to you, he's, he's knocking out his push-ups and sit-ups where are you at once that's done uh you know this time they're you know disgusting hot and sweaty so we take that opportunity to get them over to the canine field and we make them run our obstacle course carrying you know a 50 pound bag of dog food mm. um 
it's a bag of dog food. It can easily tear. It can easily, you know, bust open. And it's your job to protect that bag of dog from the, from the time you take off to the time you end. Um, so if you've got to go over an obstacle, you better figure out how to do it without injuring my dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, we run them through that. And uh, once they're finished with that, it kind of uh, get a little bit of a breather. And then it's bite time. And we, we put boys in suits. Oh, and, no shit. Yeah. And, nice. we, and we bring the heat. We double dog. We send long sends. We... Um, you have you anybody flaked out on that? Uh, yes, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. And and unfortunately, our last canine tryout, uh, uh, one of our guys, you know, did it kind of got outside the box of what we told him to do, and it cost him. He got a, the back of his head bit. And uh, yeah, I think I showed you the picture of it. So, but uh, so I mean, it's, it's part of it. But you know, unfortunately for the, I think we had eleven or twelve guys try on the last time, and that guy was like number three. So they watched him, you know, get bit. Um, but it's a, it, really the reason we do it. It's not to show your skill. And obviously they have no skill as a decoy, but it's to show us what you got. You know, where are you at? Are you scared of dogs? You know, how do they inter- interact with, how do they deal with the pressure? How do they deal with the pressure of what's going on and the actual pressure? Um, and then, you know, we do a couple different, different bites, running bites, placement bites, static bites. Um, and we Mind give, bites. yeah, you yeah. Fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's part of it. The way we look at it is we had to do it. So, yeah. but, uh, after that, uh, we do an informal interview with the canine handlers. We give the handlers an opportunity to sit each applicant down and they get to just grill them on, you know, internal stuff. I mean, that this isn't a formal one, so they're disgusting, they're dirty, they're nasty, but it gives the handlers an opportunity to maybe ask some questions that they've had from them. Um, you know, personal life uh, to, you know, what's their commitment going to be like, you know, because we're a team. I mean, uh, you guys have been around us a little bit. You can see, you know, we're a tight knit group. We look out for one another. We take care of each other and we want to make sure that anybody we bring in is going to have that yeah, same. Absolutely. We, and they do. The boys bring up and they just dump the clutch, you know, let them have it. We send them home, they get cleaned up, dressed up, and they have an admin or board where it's usually uh, our canine supervisor, the captain that's over our canine unit, usually the major, and then we have a couple outside people. Like uh, we'll have, you know, one of our finance Bring guys. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have, we'll have, uh, like, Man, like, you look like a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have the guy that's uh, like in charge of our, you know, fiscal department, mm-hmm. and then we'll have, you know, maybe our staff attorney, just, you know, non patrol people, non-canine people. And uh, they ask them policy stuff. And it's stuff that, you know, they're not expecting them to know because they're not canine handlers, but they want to see where their, you know, general knowledge is at. And they ask them some scenario-based questions when it comes to drug cases. And, you know, know, we we, we even throw a questionnaire about what would you do if your dog was hurt? And they give them a specific scenario and just see where they're at general knowledge-wise. It gives them an opportunity to ask them about, you know, their home life and uh, things like that. Once that's done, uh, they're sent home. And uh, at that point, the admin kind of, you know, narrows down the, the pack from there. And um, then we as the canine unit get with the supervisor and we kind of give them our pick and we all come to a consensus depending on how many positions we're filling, who we want, what we're looking for. And then we pitch it to the admin. And, and most of the time we get exactly who we're wanting. Um, sometimes the admin has, you know, things, there's, there's, they're obviously aware of things that we're not aware of. And, you know, yeah. they, they're looking at, Six again, usage and yeah, like a, a liability, yeah. things that, you know, that we aren't aware of. So, you know, they have a different, a different reason for picking people. But for the most part, like I said, our admin, our captain uh, that's directly over our unit, uh, besides our, our sergeant in charge, the, he's an ex-canine guy and he is hardcore about it. So, you know, he's not going to, 
you know, pick somebody that's not going to represent him and the agency very well. But most of the time, we get exactly who we're looking for him. Um, and they, you know, we put them to work right away. How big is your department? Um, I think we're around 400 sworn. Their guys come through the process, you have no idea who they are? Sometimes we don't. Yeah. Like this last tryout, there's a couple guys I've never even seen before. Wow. That's weird. I mean, we at the highlight of my time in Canton, we had 200 about. We were down to 140. We've always been around that 170 mark. And um, I think I knew everybody. Yeah. I mean, well, for us, and I'm sure for a lot of agencies, especially in Florida, we had, you know, a massive wave of retirements with the drop program, mm -hmm. you know, several years back. And it has brought in a major influx of, you know, new people. So um, right now, I think on, on like my my you know, patrol ship that I work, I mean, I would say probably 95 percent of them have less than five years experience on the street. What patrol ship is that? How do you guys work? So we, we have an A and a B company mm -hmm. and uh, then we have a. Uh, a day shift and a night shift for patrol. But on twelves, yeah, we work twelves, two days on, two days off, and then every other weekend. And then, uh, but with canine, we do it a little different. We have an A to B company, but we have a day shift dog, and we have two afternoon dogs that work two in the afternoon to two in the morning, mm -hmm. and then we have a night shift dog. So during that time, that's you know rocking and rolling, two in the afternoon, two in the morning, we have three dogs out. You did a day shift, boy? No, no, heck no. How do you do that with the training? So basically with, with working afternoons, it gives me a chance to work with the day shift guys and work, work with the night, night shift guys. Yeah, I but I, I'll be honest with you, our guys are super motivated, man. They get, they get out there and they work. They work really well together. Uh, they challenge one another. It's, it's, you know, some friendly competition between them. And they, so it definitely adds in an element of, you know, competition amongst them. But those guys get out there and rock to roll together every single night I'm working, you know, we're calling each other and, you know, all right, I'm laying you a track and we do a lot of, you know, we just play hide and seek, you know, yeah. Hey, you look on your GPS, you'll find my car and I'll come find me. Yeah. That's a, uh, so, you know, I mean, it, you know, the, the selection process for handler is exceptionally uh, important. And I'd say is as equally as important as dog selection. Absolutely. That's exactly what you're doing. You're selecting the other half of the team. And, you know, all too often, and Eric and I see it a lot too, because, you know, in Florida, um, you know, like we just talked about, you guys have a process where you have to do 480 hours. So you guys take green dogs with a green handler and then train them up and it's, you know, 12, 16 weeks, whatever. Eric and I do a lot of dogs where we train the dogs and mm -hmm. we train and then yep. I, don't, I get the handler for a month, right? So, and I don't get to select the handler a lot of times. Um, sometimes they ask for input, sometimes they don't. Sure. Um, and in my experience, the handlers that, uh, you know, kind of everything you've touched on, the ones that are who are successful uh, handlers are the guys that are already successful police officers in general. Um, so if you're fucking lazy, you shouldn't be in canine. There's other shit in law enforcement you can do. Like, I don't really know what else, but <laughs> and I'm not gonna say anything because it's not bad. But, um, you know, you can do something else. You know, maybe this is not for you. Um, the other portion of it too is that you know, I've had guys come through that have had um, use of force incidences that um, that generated complaints that were found unfounded. But what it did was it kind of demonstrated a willingness for a handler to do his job yeah. before he had a dog. Um, so, you know, if we kind of go back, like Eric and I always talk about all the time, like the only reason the dogs are there is to find stuff with white people. Mm -hmm. um, canine is disproportionately put in the highest instance of use of force in any position in law enforcement, even more than SWAT. Yes. When shit gets funky, that's who they call. Absolutely. So his only job is to find drugs and white people. 
So his the dog's only job, as one of two jobs, is to use force. So typically, you know, I, I tell admins, I said, you know, if I, if I have a guy that has some unfounded instances of use of force, it means that he's willing to get his hands dirty, one. And then two, we see a handler that has good decision-making skills and is very mature. You give this guy a, a tool that is designed to apply a ton of force, you gotta have somebody that has great decision making skills and is very mature. Absolutely. And that's a huge portion of it. Because if you have a guy that's just kind of fucking, you know, can't wait to get a bite and all this other bullshit, and I'm like, hey, I get it, but look, you, we have to kind of exercise and restrain all this other stuff. And, you know, I don't want cowboys, but I also don't want people that are fucking lazy. Sure. So, um, you know, because I had an admin come to me, we had a handler, and they're like, well, he's had like four, you know, he's had four complaints of use of force. I'm like, well, what was the outcome of IA? They're like, oh, they were unfounded. It was legit. I'm like, he's, he's your guy. They're like, really? I'm like, oh, yeah, he's willing he's willing to do the work. I mean, that's the only reason you have this dog. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I've never thought of it that way. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> why else do you have him? Yeah. So, yeah. And I can tell you this. We touched on just a little bit. When the admin is going through, if, if they're super involved in the process, you have got to be a guy that comes to work. Right. Then demonstrate. If you got, I'm telling you guys, man, then. <clears throat> they're out there calling off sick on a Saturday because you don't feel like being at work. You're going to be on afternoon shift just on regular patrol the rest of your career. Yeah. No, If it's an agency where they get to select people and it's not a bid process, you're, uh, you're screwing yourself. When I retired, I had a little over 3,000 sick time hours. I never called off. Yeah. <clears throat> I got six weeks vacation. I'd used one week a year, which is not, I don't recommend that. <laughs> Use your vacation time. Yeah. <laughs> but come to work. Right. Because they, they've had guys they passed on in my agency uh, for excessive sick time. Absolutely. We, every agency has gotten that. to work. Yep. They got to understand that you're going to be there sure. when the time comes. So the last thing we want to get into is something you, you mentioned earlier, and I think it's a great way to finish off this podcast, is to talk about Canines United. Okay. So Canines United is a um, 501c3. Correct. And, um, I, you know, I've seen them. I, I first came into seeing them. They came into my wheelhouse through social media, right? Okay. So I, I started seeing it. And then, like, I just did a, a training seminar in Georgia with the Georgia uh, Police Canine Foundation. And I think Canines United or somebody bought people's slots yes. to that. Yeah. Like everybody. Everybody who, who needed it. So it, it's pretty amazing. We have a lo- lot of really great charities out there doing the, you know, Rescue 22. We have guys doing uh, the vests and the hot pops and all that, everything else. Talk about what Canines United specifically works on. So Canines United started uh, several years ago with the founder, Debbie Johnson, uh, who's in Jacksonville. She lives here in Florida. Um, she was not affiliated with any law enforcement agency, not affiliated with anything to do with canine, you know, just a good lady. Uh, she was, you know, in the private sector. Um, Jacksonville, I'm sorry, St. John's County Sheriff's Office had an in the line of duty death with one of their dogs, Canine Baron. And uh, it just, you know, really touched her. And she felt very driven to try to do something um, to help, you know, with the agency. And it started very, just very local, like reaching out to that specific agency. What can be done? What is a need? Like, you know, I would like to do something for your canine unit. So it started with something as simple as buying the guys some bite sleeves or something. You know, it was just very simplistic. Um, and uh, Debbie, you know, I love hearing her tell the story and I've heard her tell it multiple times. Um, you know, and maybe one day you can get her on here and she can give you the, you know, the very detailed out deal. But she basically, um, 
it's, it, it kind of started from there and snowballed to where she just felt driven and every, one thing led to the next and one thing led to the next to where um, she was helping, you know, outside of St. John's County, she was helping Jacksonville Sheriff's Office and then it led to other agencies within the state and then it led to other states and it led to, you know, nationwide. Um, I, I came on as a board member a couple of years ago as just an advisory, like, you know, just like anything else, she doesn't know the ins and out of law enforcement. She doesn't know the ins and out of, um, you know, the, the canine unit and the industry in general. So she reached out. She did the right thing. Instead of doing her own thing, she reached out and got some some heavy hitters on her team. You know, Justin Rigney's on the on the team as well. And uh, she leans heavily on us for that kind of stuff. And she doesn't, you know, step outside of her knowledge base. And But it started off really uh, helping guys with equipment. You know, we're agencies that did not have the budgetary means to have the, the equipment provided. So we were, you know, buying bite sleeves and bite suits. And um, and then it trickled into some heat alarm stuff based on some incidences. And they, you know, she's, she's been able to provide a bunch of agencies with modern heat alarms, mm-hmm. um, which is a, you know, a huge need here in the state of Florida, and, you know, across the country, but definitely here. And um, that led into some other things. And Last year, it took a, a, an even more serious turn after Canine Fang from the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office was shot and killed in an incident. Um, yeah. And when the, the that kind of came out, and when Debbie found out what the punishment, you know, what the punishment guidelines and what the offenses were for these things, she was kind of offended that, you know, that these dogs aren't more protected than what they are. Which then led us to doing some more homework, and uh, she got myself. And Rob Ramos is a handler, and down in Orange County, he's one of the board members. And we got out there and started doing run research around the country, and we found out a lot. There's a lot of states out there that have no penalty yeah, for wow. killing or injuring a police dog. Yeah. It's just some, you know, in general pet, you know, or animal cruelty type laws. Um, so she dove off into that neck deep and ruffled some feathers and got out there and, um, you know, got some, uh, you know, politicians involved and. Uh, you know, she can give you the whole story, but she was able to get um, the Senate Bill 96 started and uh, basically where last year, actually the beginning of this year, uh, springtime, Governor DeSantis signed into law where now it's a second degree felony for, um, you know, injuring or, you know, killing a police dog in the line of duty uh, in the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. That was huge. That was a huge success, huge win. Uh, I brought in a lot of, you know, support. And it just opened up a lot of doors for her and the and the foundation to be able to help canine handlers and teams uh, throughout the country. Um, and just typical Debbie fashion, um, that wasn't enough for her. And so now she has teamed up with some congressmen, um, and she's wanting to take this thing nationwide. And they've already you know committed to her that they're going to run with it and see if they can get it on the House floor and get this thing voted in nationwide. That's something that nationally I think I could get behind. Not a national certification center. <laughs> That's something we could get behind nationally. But, I, like that. I like that quote unquote business model. It's a need based donations. Um, and, and trust me, I like the places that give the best, and I like the places that are uh, giving the uh, yeah, day kits and all that. Yeah. They're doing amazing work. Um, but like, a, like the vest, for example, once a, a group gives the police the vest, there's no need for for five years technically right to, to go back to them right but um, you know a, a startup agency or something that needs equipment and needs yes. a hot and pop that yes. you can and training specifically yes. is uh, something you can at least ask for over and over right and, and it's been more than just you know hey I need money for this specific item we've been able to link agencies together we've been able to get agencies involved in the donation process where we've been able to have agency a 
say, uh, we've been able to kind of facilitate agency A saying, hey, I'm getting rid of this canine car. Um, but, you know, agency B has no money whatsoever to buy it. And this light, this car still has life in it because we have a big budget and we've been able to get full outfitted canine cars, you know, to agencies that don't oh, have it at all. You know how many people ask about that shit? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's all the time. Yeah, it's all the time. Yeah. And so it's, it's, and then we've here recently, we've been uh, where we've, we've had an opportunity to not just purchase equipment, but we've been able to purchase some dogs for some agencies. We've been able wow. to, to get some dogs from different vendors and be able to, uh, you know, provide them to agencies that just do not have the budgetary means to be able to make that happen. So, you know, and we were talking about before we started recording outside about some other stuff, but not a lot of agencies have the budget to train, like, you know, and this is a whole other topic about how much we're supposed to train in the minimum 16 hours, blah, blah, blah. But, um, so like HRD here down in Florida, um, Debbie paid for some slots for some guys for agencies that couldn't um, afford to come. Right. And, you know, she's, uh, they're going to pay for uh, one slot for every HRD yes. event yep. um, throughout the country for uh, basically like a scholarship for departments that don't have uh, the funding to come to it because yep. you know like we were talking about you know what hrd provides in terms of insight and exposure to things and whatever else is extremely valuable and you get departments that you're not like okay well you got a dog that's enough and yes you're supposed to train then you got a motivated handler with no ability to do anything and I mean, he's literally stuck over a five hundred dollar fucking entry fee, and, and that happens all the time. That happens uh, when Debbie, I mean, yeah, I mean, come on now. When we lined this up for you guys to come down, and Debbie reached out to me, and she said, "You know, I want to, I want to, I want the foundation to cover four teams. You know, can you reach out and try to find some of those teams to be able to do that?" And of course, there's, you know. Like I said, you can't. Five seconds. Yeah, well, that's the yeah, thing is you, yeah. you you can't sling a dead cat in, in Florida without hitting a canine car. But um, but ultimately, we were trying to look for guys that that you know maybe they didn't have quite the financial support. We were able to get those guys here, or the guys that had a real drive to be here. But financially, right. the agency's like, ah, yeah. eh, we're not sure. So you know, a lot of times, if the you know, and it's really not a lot of money in the grand scheme of things. But ultimately, when the agency's looking at everything from a budgetary standpoint. And they say, "Hey, look, this seminar is free. All you do is pay for room and you know hotel and you know that kind of thing. And if that's the case, then uh, you know it helps out tremendously." Absolutely. How uh, how does Canines United? Uh, how do you donate to them? So you can go online, uh, you know, follow them on social media is a huge Facebook, Instagram. Uh, they're constantly running. Um, you know, campaigns we're doing. Uh, Miss Do- Miss Debbie's daughter Emma, uh, she is very very involved in the program. Uh, Emma has her own little campaign for heat alarms that she's recently did a bake sale and she did a, a craft you know event and where you know vendors got together and had a big event. And, but uh, Emma just recently was able to raise enough money at an event to buy um, basically every car within the agency a new heat alarm. Oh shit! They Holy didn't shit. have them, mm. and uh, no, it's not a huge agency, but still, it was several well, still, cars. I mean, and she, Emma, happens. was able to raise the money for that. Yeah, absolutely. Come on now. That's so it's awesome. it's huge. Yeah, and it's a it's a huge need, and you know, unf- and I, and I'll be honest with you, there's there's guys that I reach out to, and they'll tell me their agency is like, well, they just they don't, they don't want to spend the money on that. But you know, of course, you and I both know if that dog's you know killed, it's going to be the handler that's. You know, right. crucified I'm for saying, it. And, I said it today. Yeah. I was like, if you do your job right, somebody will take credit for it, and they'll let you keep your job. If you fuck something up, they will hang you, and they will make it your fault. And yeah, I mean that. The, you know, preventable deaths are for either for officers and for dogs 
uh, are one of the biggest tragedies ever. And you know, a dog dying. And that's the thing too, because you know, we're sitting here talking about dual purpose dogs. But every dog, whether they're search and rescue, whether they're single purpose, dual purpose, whatever, are all susceptible to heat damage and heat and dying in a fucking hot car. Yep. And, I mean, even single purpose dogs gotta have gotta have hot poppers. So, I mean, it is what it is. Well, I for one, I'm really happy you came on. It was a good day, first day of. Yeah, it was a great day. Yeah. Uh, dogs are sleeping right now. I guarantee you. Yeah. <laughs> I tell them every time at the end of the day, your dog's gonna crash the fuck out. Yeah. And it's like me too. After the stress poop. Uh, yeah. Right. right. <laughs> shit their guts out. Ken, we haven't mentioned Hagner's or anything. We mentioned Hagner. We got to uh, mention Sean in every episode. I, <laughs> he was just creeping around in the kitchen well, here. I don't know. He looked like he was struggling this morning when we started the day. Uh, yeah, I don't really want to mention what he just asked me. He's always creeping. If I heard something going on while we were recording, no. so I'm, no, no, uh, no. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> so. He was like, did you hear that? I'm like, no. I shook my head now. So, uh, no, Hagner... Uh, Hagner's got, uh, and I don't care, he's shit like 18 times that he's got diarrhea. Like right, he looked rough this morning when we started. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, now he's coming. Now he's showing up. He's showing up all of a sudden. It's hashtag mention Hagner. <laughs> so, it's funny, he's... Hello. This is Sean, that's, that's Hagner. Oh, man. Hey, we, I don't know if I we missed it. Today. Right, yeah. You, you feeling okay this morning? No. <laughs> I can hear you. It's a parabolic microphone. I hated, hated you hear us. <laughs> I can hear you. On playback, maybe. <laughs> so, we're going to make it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. We'll edit that part out so you're not on it. No, right, yeah. You're out. <laughs> Anyways, thank you very much for coming. Yeah, man. I appreciate you guys being here in Ocala. I appreciate what you guys do for the industry and the whole. And um, you guys are always, you know, welcome here. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. See you guys later. Our very first sponsor, our most loyal guy, is Arno over at ALM Suits and Canine Equipment. I love his tugs, his suits, everything he's got going on. His hidden sleeve is legit. His trainer sleeves. All that stuff, man. We get a lot of stuff from Arno. When you call, he's the guy that answers the phone. He's a one-man operation, kicking ass over there. He's over in Vegas. If you're in town, hook him up and check him out. Ted, talk about his website and discount code. It's uh, ALM canine, the letter K number nine, equipment.com. That's ALM canine equipment.com. If you use the discount code WDR radio, it'll give you 10% off your first order as long as it's not a suit. He has, I just saw recently too, that he's got those uh, super thin hidden Kevlar sleeves back in stock. Uh, Those are the ones that Eric and I got as a prototype. And uh, we both love those things and they've become kind of the go-to thing for a lot of the hidden sleeve guys like PSA for the carjacking. And it's what we use for a lot of the scenarios you see where we use super thin equipment. We're rolling around wrestling with handlers. But uh, keeps you protected, keeps the dog engaged, lasts for quite a while, fits well too. So almk9equipment.com. Yes, one of our very, very first sponsors of the podcast before we recorded an episode is the guys out in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania at Bravo 3 and at Tripwire. Uh, we love those guys. They do a fantastic job of training the modern law enforcement and first responder. And that's what Bravo 3 is really all about. It's about an, a combination of SWAT, canine, bomb eod fire hazmat and tac med and sof first responder guys everybody gets together to share information so you've got a lot of people there that are really really good at what they do including eric and i we're going to be instructors when is it eric it is october 26th through the 29th in gettysburg you can sign up at bravo-3.com 
www.bravo-3.com. Come see us, man. Come hang out. We'll have a good time. Yep. I want to take two seconds and talk about the entrance and exit music that everybody hears here, which is kind of an important part of the entire thing we do. The artist, Brother D, has been extremely gracious in letting us use this music, and I want everybody to go hit him up. And if he comes to town, go see him. Go buy his shirts and go buy his CDs. It's brotherdeeg, D-E-G-E dot net. All of his new music's up there. You can get it on the same place that you're listening to this. You can get it on iTunes. You can get it on Google Play. Or you can order it straight from his website. But go hit him up. He's a great dude, super gracious. And if you get a chance, go see him live. You got your reasons. I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brother D E G E dot blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Duck Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.